0: This is Joe Kwan, The Connection Counselor, your host on Diversity Bites, the program for everybody who understands the challenges inherent in creating a more diverse workforce. Join us as we explore the strategies and mindsets needed to transcend statistics, increase belonging, and unlock higher. Hello, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and welcome to Diversity Bites, the only daily diversity podcast in the world. I'm also the creator of the Everybody Thrives program, which is for companies looking to unlock the full power of all their people. Let's get right into it. We're continuing with law number three of the laws of success from the book The Formula by Albert Laszlo Barabasi. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it I'll, or listen to it. I love audiobooks. I'll leave a link in the show notes. So law number three is that future success is dictated by previous success multiplied by the fitness of your idea or product. Right. So you may be successful, successful initially. Initially, everyone knows the idea of one hit wonders. You don't want to be that. (laughs) Right. Future success is dictated by previous success, which is great. Multiplied by the fitness of your idea or product. Right. So it's a it's an interaction between the two. So why is previous success so important? Well, Barabasi talks about this principle of preferential attachment, this success breeds success, where the rich get richer. Uh, Some people also call it the Matthew effect, uh, you know, sort of biblical uh, reference there. Um, So, you know, when you are successful, it tends to bring on additional success. And uh, just a silly example is, let's say a company um, succeeds in selling you something and you know they're successful and they sell it to you and you like it how much more likely if you're going to buy a similar drink clothing vacation you know whatever a car how much more likely are you to buy that same one again right so that initial success right and that name recognition breeds future success now it's interesting too because Barbasi talks about how chance and bias often dictate the winners, right, who, who we choose based on our networks and who other people are choosing based on, um, you know, when we're uh, more likely to choose something and that just happened to pop up on our screen or someone, you know, happened to show up in our mailbox. You know, often it's not the performance of the thing that dictates uh, the success of it. A lot of times, a lot of it is just chance. And sometimes it has to do with bias as well, which is an issue for underrepresented professionals and and BIPOC, that often you may not get that first part, that initial previous success. Uh, That may not come to you as easily or as early, uh, and that can um, sort of dampen your future success. But that's only half of the equation, right? The previous success. The other part is the fitness of your idea or product, because there are... uh, in exceptional, rare cases, uh, things where that social influence and and that preferential attachment can be overcome by exceptional ideas or products or performance, right? And unfortunately, that's kind of like this idea which you know has um, I don't want to say merit, but um, has um, some intuitive uh, sense about it where a lot of underrepresented professionals in BIPOC think, you know, we have to be better, uh, than our, you know, majority peers. We always have to be better, perform better, be above reproach, uh, work harder just to get even, and certainly to go beyond. Right. So there's this sense, uh, of that as well. Um, And that also applies, you know, just for just for anyone where sometimes if uh, you weren't the one to get that initial success, it doesn't mean you're done. If your idea, if your performance um, has special, unique, exceptional qualities about it that are needed at the time, it can actually overcome um, the tie that is normally going to give your competitor uh, the, the success. So you will be avoided, uh, you will avoid, you know, being relegated to, uh, obscurity. Um, so that's, uh, you know, I didn't think about it, think about it at the time when I was preparing this episode, but that's, you know, dovetails perfectly into when people are talking about how your authenticity, your true self is your superpower. Right. Because if you're just like everyone else, if you try to be just like everyone else or you try to hide who you truly are, then you're not bringing anything unique. Like how unique uh, of a solution or a performance can you bring when you try to be just like everyone else? By definition, you are just a commodity and, and your services can be purchased uh, and bought, uh, you know, by the lowest cost provider because what you're providing is not Unique. So in a weird sort of way, in, you know, in a in a in a gambit to succeed, sometimes underrepresented professionals hide the thing that will, you know, enable or unlock uh, their highest performance. And I understand why they might do that, because often when you're in an environment that is hostile or not inclusive uh, and people feel disconnected from you, you will not be rewarded. Uh, for uh, being yourself and for bringing um, your unique qualities to it, unless it's attached to, you know, money immediately or profits or performance immediately, right? So that can be um, a challenge. And I talk about this a little bit in in other talks on authenticity. I talk about the authenticity seesaw, uh, where if you have a high level of connection, your authenticity is an asset, If you have a low level of connection, your authenticity becomes a liability, right? So it's not that authenticity is always good or bad. It's not that it's sometimes it's a superpower, sometimes it's not. It it really hinges, as the authenticity seesaw teaches us, on the level of connection. So it it either creates a a leverage and a multiplier, or it can actually uh, harm us in ways that um, are really disheartening. Uh, And perhaps can force us to hide ourselves even more, which unfortunately is not uh, mentally healthy and is very uh, demotivating to have to pretend you're someone else or to have to tamp down or hide your true self and your brilliance, um, as a matter of fact, because uh, some people uh, may be hostile Uh, to your high performance because they somehow wrongheadedly believe that um, there's no way you could perform that high. How could a woman, uh, you know, do that? Or how can a black person or an Asian person, you know, be so good at that, right? So that may actually result in a negative reaction, which is uh, totally non-inclusive and based on, um, you know, things that have nothing to do with actual performance. They're actually just um, biases and, I would dare say, fear-based Uh, a fear-based approach to who you believe you are and who you are in the world, as well as who um, others are in this world. So um, all this to, uh, you know, learn from that uh, third principle that future success is dictated by both the previous success, which is super important, multiplied by the fitness of your idea or product. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and this is Diversity Bites. This content is informed by my Everybody Thrives program, which is for companies looking to unlock the full power of all their people. Learn more at connectioncounselor.com. Remember, when it comes to higher performance, diversity bites, belonging delights.